Amen. Great. So let's, let's continue doing this, okay? You can hear God's voice, and let's continue to practice the gifts, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Great. So we're talking about encountering God. So what Gert shared earlier, is he said this was his life before he met Jesus. He had a wild ride. His parents got divorced. He got into drugs. He was even dealing drugs. He became a rasta. He was, he was all of that. And then he had this encounter where he rolled his car, and there was one encounter with God. Only later he gave his life to the Lord. But So what we are talking about tonight is that moment where God intervenes in your life, and your life changes completely. And God wants to do that. So I love saying this. If you jump in front of a train, what's going to happen to you? You're going to change. God is bigger than a... Bigger than a train. If you're going to come, if God's going to intervene in your life and you're going to allow Him to intervene in your life, then you will change. If you've been the same person all your life and somewhere down the line you've met Jesus, you didn't change, you didn't meet the real Jesus. And I'm going to challenge you tonight to say, hey, put up your hand and say, I want to meet the real Jesus. I want my life to change. Because if goodness, the goodness of God, if that connects with you, if you encounter the goodness of God, you turn, you turn and you, be, you are transformed into God's image, into who He created you to be, which is, which is obviously a good thing. Like all of us would love to encounter, encounter God. So in order to illustrate this idea that God wants to encounter us, I'm going to look at a, at a disciple in the Bible. Hey, Kanya. Hey, welcome back, man. <laughs> Great. Awesome. I'm going to look at Peter, and we're going to see, we're going to look, we're going to sort of draw a profile of his life, and we're going to see what happened and how he encountered Jesus and how his life changed. So Peter was a scruffy fisherman. He was probably uh, a guy that, he wasn't very, maybe not the most intellectual guy. Um, there's... The Bible speaks of um, the, the people, the Pharisees, looking at these disciples, just saying they're normal men. They're normal. He's a normal guy. So, and the first time he meets with Jesus, he's busy fishing. And when he, when he s- sees the miracle that Jesus does, he falls to the ground and he says, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinner. So this is, this is Peter. And I think all of us have been there. You have... You have somehow, you've encountered God's goodness, whether it's in, the, in worship or in, in maybe somebody had a conversation with you telling you about the gospel and Jesus loving you. And you're like, wow, man, I, I can't accept this. This is too far from me because I'm a, I'm a sinner. And this is who Peter was. This is what his experience, his perspective on himself was. And then we see that he does so many interesting things. If you look at his character, it's very impulsive and unstable. For instance, Matthew 14, 28, 31. You don't have to go there. I'm just going to run through. It's under slides there. He walks on water, but he's overcome with doubt. So Jesus walks on water. Peter is the first guy. He's impulsive. He's like, hey, if Jesus can do that, then I want to do it. And he, he says, Jesus, to speak the word. And Jesus says, come, Peter. And he walks on water. And while he's walking on water, doing this amazing thing, he starts doubting, and what happens? He sinks. He's down under the water, and Jesus has to, has to pull him up. And then Matthew 16, Jesus 
asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the son of God. And then Jesus is like, wow, Peter, well done. You have received this from God. This is a revelation. This is amazing. And then the next moment, just the next chapter, he, 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 Jesus is telling about his death. Same chapter, actually. Jesus is telling about his death. And then Peter says, hey, no, that will never happen to you. And what does Jesus do? He turns around, this guy that he just complimented on his revelation, he turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. Imagine the kind of offense that you need to work through if Jesus tells you, get behind me, Satan. Imagine that. So this is one moment he's high and he's up there. He's walking on water. Next moment he's sinking down. He's nothing. And then we see in um, John 18 that in the Garden of Gethsemane, these, these guys, um, the, um, the servants of the high priest rush to Jesus and they want to take him captive. Peter pulls out his sword and he cuts the guy's ear. He actually is obviously going for the throat. He's trying to kill this guy. So you've been walking with Jesus, kindness himself, love, loving, all of this, holy. And then at the first just alarm of terror, you pull out your sword and you just want to kill people. That's, that's who Peter was. Then... Next slide, he shows himself to be presumptuous. So he's on the mountain with John and James and Elijah and Moses appear. So Peter is like, hey, Jesus, he interferes with his holy moment. He's like, hey, Jesus, I have an idea. Let's build them all huts, one for you, one for, one for Moses and one for Elijah. So we can, we can stay here. What, what kind of comment in this, this holy, holy moment? All, we all have friends like that. But somehow Jesus still loves him. Somehow Jesus still favors him. Because we see the, the people that Jesus took up the mountain were James, John, and Peter. He's tied three. So what is, what is up with this guy? And then we see that in John 18... Probably the most significant failure of Peter. He has been walking with Jesus, and now Jesus is he's about to be crucified. And he has a moment. There's a servant lady that comes to him, and she asks him, Hey, aren't you with Jesus? And what does he say? The worst sin that you can ever commit. He says, I do not know who this guy is. And he, and he does it three times. So, Think of the worst thing that you can do. Like you've been walking with Jesus. You've been see, you saw all his miracles. You've walked on water because of this man. He has called you out. He, you are his best. You are one of his top three guys. And he says, I do not know who this Jesus man is. So this is, this is Peter. But now 50 days later, only 50 days, okay? Almost two months. Think of what can happen in two months. Not, not much. Two months. We see that Peter stands up, Acts 2, and he preaches a sermon. And this is what happened. With many other words, he warned them. Now suddenly, 
Peter is this amazing preacher, full of passion. He even warns the crowd. And he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So I think 50 days before that, he was denying Jesus. Now he's telling, he's warning them. He's saying, hey, get in line. Get in line with God's plan. Repent, be baptized. That's all earlier in the chapter. And verse 41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So you imagine that. So like if I, if I preach a message, we go going to outreach and, and five people get saved. That night, it is a party in, that, in our camp. Whoa, Jesus saved five people. But he is a guy, he preached a simple message and 3,000 people got saved. And we see from there, they start a revolution. The next, in, in Acts 3, he and John walks past a paralyzed guy. The guy, he wants money. They tell him, hey, we don't have money, but hey, we have something better. Boom! I'll pick you up and you'll walk. Well, what happened? It's Peter denying Jesus, and then we see him doing this. And then we see that in Acts 5, 15, that even his shadow, people would put sick people in his shadow to receive healing. So this is the guy who denied Jesus, the guy who was impulsive, the guy who, who Jesus rebuked and said, get behind me, Satan. He's doing all of this. So, so what happened? What happened? The Holy Spirit happened. And this is where, this is the encounter with God that we need to crave for. This is the encounter with God that I'm craving for and for all of you to have is this encounter. Because all of us, I think, we can associate with a Peter. We've messed up. All of us. All of us felt, have felt like sinners. I think, so the worst thing you can do is deny Jesus. All of us have, up to that point, have probably done something close to that in your life. Huh? All of you. So, if that can happen to Peter 50 days from his worst failure, he can stand up and 3,000 people get saved, and later on his shadow heals people, then that can happen to us. Because maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's not about who you are. Maybe it's about something else. So what happened? We see in Acts 2, they were all together, and they were crying out to God, like what we did earlier, and the Holy Spirit came because they, they were supposed to wait for the power, the very presence of God to come not only on them, but in them. Because while Jesus was with them, the presence of God was around them. But actually God's idea, His plan from the very start was that His presence is not only around us, it's not only goosebumps, but it's in us and it's power. So now they're standing there, and they know they have to wait for something. And there's a rushing of a wind. There's fire on their heads. And the Holy Spirit fills them. It says, Acts 2 verse 4, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then we, we hear that they, they, there was people from all nations in that area, and they heard in their own mother tongue they heard these disciples these 120 people proclaiming the glory of of jesus 
And then Peter was transformed. So this is what I'm proposing to you. A God encounter is not about you. It's, it's not about who you were. It's actually, I think it's almost better than you, than you know that you're a failure. It, the same thing happened to Paul. What, like Paul was probably even worse than Peter. He was not only denying Jesus, he killed Christians. He killed Christians and still God reached out to him. And he had an encounter with Jesus. But the first thing that he had to go through was he had to go to Ananias to be filled with the presence of God. Because God knew that the presence of Jesus had to be in him before he could be transformed and could fulfill the job that he has to do. So I think somehow we, we should be able to relate to these guys. Fisherman denies Jesus. Paul is doing evil. He's killing people. He's not only gossiping about his friend or rebelling against his parents. He is killing Christians. And then God reached out to him. And God is doing to all of us. Some of us are just still blinded. Like Paul was blinded because of the presence of God. We're still blind. And we need people around us like Ananias to pray over us so that so it will, our eyes will open to the glory of God. So we're going we're gonna to look at a, a, a video clip. But just before we look at the video clip. So there's something that I, I'm like, hey Jesus, this is so, it's so simple. It's like, ask for the Holy Spirit to encounter you. Because the Holy Spirit's God. It's, how do you get an encounter with the train? How do you get the... You, yeah, you get, go to the railway line. And you jump in front of the railway line. You're in the middle and you wait for the train. It doesn't help you standing next to the railway line. Like you say, how, how does that relate to our spiritual walk with, with Jesus? So what did Peter do? How did he prepare himself? Why was Jesus so interested in Peter? Why would he choose Peter as his top three? Like surely, if you look at the example from Scripture, the witness from Scripture, Peter was this impulsive, presumptuous guy. I think it's because Peter was all in. I think Peter didn't care. I think he did care when Jesus rebuked him, get behind me, Satan. I think he felt it. I think he really felt it when he denied Jesus. But he knew from past experiences that even when he denied Jesus, that God will take him back. Because he had made some mistakes beforehand. But the key here is, are you all in? Like we somehow, we believe in this zap theory. Like you're sitting here and you're like, hey God, zap me and then I'll do something for you. Hey train, hit me and then I'll do something for you. There there's railway lines. You need to jump in front of the railway lines. And the, you need to stand there and say, train, come, hit me, transform me. Okay, so let's, I want you to look at this, look at this video. So just to give you the context, so it's Jesus calling Peter. And before that, Peter, he, um, he was at the shore and Jesus arrives and Jesus says, hey, you're not catching fish, eh? And he says, no. And Jesus says, hey, I'll help you. 
We're going to catch some fish. And then you'll catch the story from there. If you could just put off the lights. How did this happen? What did you do? I'm giving you the chance to change your life. Peter, come with me. Give up catching fish and I will make you a fisher of men. What are we gonna do? So, so I think the reason why God chose Peter, because he was all in. After that, he left his job. He left his job. Are you... I'm, I felt God's asking me, I am, Amo, are you willing to leave your job? Even though your job seems to be following, like this is what I'm doing. Are you, will, are you willing? Are, are we willing to give up everything so that we can prepare our hearts to encounter God? Are we, will, are we willing to do that? Are, are we willing to do that? And if we are willing to do that, and sometimes it's a, it's a, scary, it's a scary thing. But we, that is where we prepare our hearts for the fullness of the Holy Spirit to manifest. So, if you are willing to give up your job, if you are willing to give up friends, because you're going to lose friends. I've lost many friends. Maybe you're going to be uncool. Maybe you're going to lose some money. Maybe you're not going to make as much money as you thought you're going to be. Maybe you're going to make more money than you think you. Because that's how God works. Walter and I, we were talking about this guy, Francia Fonikar. He gave, he said, hey, God, I don't have anything, but I give you 30% of this business. He's now, that business, that 30% is now 70%. He's giving away more than 100 million, more than 100 million a year. He's giving away. Where did it start? Because he's just all in from the start. So some of you say, hey, maybe, maybe when I have a job, I'll give it up. Maybe when I have this, then I'll give it up. No, God's asking Peter while he's fishing, while he just caught the biggest, he now, he now knows how to do this. He's going to make a lot of money. And Jesus say, hey, uh, this is great, lots of fish. 
But I want you, I don't make you a, a fisher of men. Because that is, and I want you to change the world. That's not in the Bible, but I think it should be in the Bible because it's so profound. Change the world. Okay, so, and I, I can't force this on you. Jesus is not even forcing this on you. Jesus asking the question, are you willing to give up everything? In other words, also, are you willing to say, if that guy offends me, or that guy that has offended me, are you willing to forgive him? Are you willing to do your thing even if nobody recognizes you? I was listening to Daniel Kulenda and he was telling about Reinhard Bonke that went into some part of Africa and they arrived at this village and there were a bunch of Christian guys there and they, he took them to the graveyard and there were graves and that missionary died here and that missionary died here and then there were a few tombstones with only numbers on it, like 5, 30, 72. And, and Daniel Kulenda or Reinhard Bonke is like, what, what happened here? Who are these people? And they said, no, the villagers didn't even know their names. These are the amount of days that they were with us before they died. Nobody knows them. But they gave their lives for one day in that village. Like, are we willing? I'm not saying all of us now go to the, it's where, where you are. Just, it's an act of surrender, just giving up everything. So that you can receive everything. It's, it's not a bad deal, but it's so difficult to get into that. Okay, so I want us, let's, let's stand. So what I want us to do is, we're going to sing one worship song. Because I want you to just speak to God about this while we worship. Because a sense Jesus is in this room saying, follow me. Not follow your heart, not follow your dreams, not follow what you're good at, not follow your wife, not follow your kids, but follow me. Yes, in that it will, it will be the best adventure, the most amazing adventure, but it's, it's going to be different because it's not, it doesn't revolve around what you want, it revolves around what he wants. So we're going we're gonna to sing one worship song. And I want you to speak to God. And then I'm going to ask people to come forward and say, if you're willing to do, to lay down everything, you're going to come and stand here in front as a gesture that you just lay it down. And then after that, we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit comes just like it came in the book of Acts and it empowers a Peter to go from a foolish disciple to a disciple where his shadow heals people because he surrendered everything. So just by 
just where you stand, just start having this conversation with God. God, I don't know, but hey, I want to give everything. What does it mean? So it's a dangerous prayer to pray. Count the cost. You're going to lose some stuff. And let's just, as we do that, let's, let's worship. Because it's in His light that we see the path. It's in His light that we, that we see the strategy, that we see how we can change the world, that we see ourselves for who we really are. Holy Spirit, come into this room and bring conviction about who you are first and foremost. Not about what we need to do, but who you are, Jesus, the King of Kings.